With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that's when Han drops Chewbacca's severed head onto the floor. Yes, in front of no all the Padawans. Way. Kids in, aren't going to like floor, this. In front of the Padawans. Kids are not going to. Please go- let me finish. Thank you. Hello there. Like animals. And I slaughtered them like animals. Execute Order 66. I got a bad feeling about this. You're something big to do this time. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. It's a trap! Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Extreme Close Up. I'm Dennis. I'm Brandon. And it's uh, it's been a while again. Um, I know, you know, but but I like the fact that we get um, we get messages from from our biggest fans. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I have been receiving a few messages from people wondering, you know, where the podcast is. Um, namely, uh, someone who always, um, you know, when we're gone for a while, uh, they'll say, "Oh, hey, where's where's the podcast?" and and I'm not saying that. Uh, trust me, we're not annoyed uh, by that. We're, no, um, I love it. I love no, getting. I, I I love this. Like yes, sometimes and, um, we both respond, and it's it's awkward because we're both responding to the same messages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, namely, um, a, a good a good buddy of mine, Ian. Uh, I'm not going to mention his last name to to keep him, you know, anonymous. But um, no, Ian Ian is always on top of it when um, when we don't post a podcast. He's always asking where we're at. And I think, yes. you know, like I said, it is, trust me, we're not annoyed by this at all. Um, we're actually glad that people, you know, not only listen to the podcast, but care enough about the podcast that when it doesn't come out on, you know, the Monday that we schedule it, because it never comes out on the Monday that we schedule it. Um, we're working you know, on that. You know, that's, that's the New Year's resolution for 2020. The New Year's resolution might be to... You know what? Let's finally make it to where every episode comes out on Monday. But uh, we appreciate the fact that fans do reach out and care enough about us to ask us, you know, what's going on? Or um, especially because we have been uh, under the weather for the past uh, little bit of time. Um, You had bronchitis, right? Yeah, and it it was crazy because... uh we got together and normally we, we have everything planned out where we go find new movies. We go to the, the movie trading shops and things like that. And you ended up taking me to the urgent care. So there you go. Yeah. So I was, I was your nurse, um, that, that weekend, but, yeah, um, fantastic job. And then some, after I got back, I had a little bit of a cough. Um, I wasn't really expecting it to become anything, it did not become bronchitis. I don't know what it became, but uh, for about a week and a half, I had no voice, and everybody at work was making fun of me. Um, but yeah, so 
due to those circumstances, um, I believe we mentioned this in one of our Facebook posts. If you don't, you know, if you're not following us on Facebook, um, look up extreme close up and give us a like, uh, we do post there, uh, pretty often. Um, but we did post on the Facebook page that we would be on a brief hiatus due to our illness. Um, but now we are back with the long awaited episode. Um, this is episode 10 where we're reviewing episode nine, which might be the greatest episode of all the newest episodes. Um, I, I don't totally agree with that, but, um, I can see how one would say that. Well, so, so before we get too far along in that, I want to qualify by this. When you take the three trilogies that exist, there will never be a greater trilogy than the original trilogy, four, five, six. Yeah, I, I agree with that. However, when you take the three trilogies, the newest trilogy for a new generation who is used to seeing these big action movies that don't focus so much on just telling the story, but on let's fast move, let's keep the explosions or whatever going, I think that the trilogy meets that. But the other aspect of that is, for me anyway, if I take the three trilogies and say the first trilogy focused on storytelling and setting up what was going to happen And so just like a movie, like a movie from the maybe 70s or the 80s, which would focus like if they were there was three acts, the first would open up on telling the story, setting the stage, introducing the characters by the middle point of the movie, you get a little bit deeper and the end was the climax. And that's the way I look at these three trilogies, the beginning focused strictly on the soap opera, the stories, and and how everything interconnected. The middle trilogy continued to move that along. You you had a little bit of action, but again, it was the storytelling. And then the climax of the entire trilogy was a lot of action, a lot of fast movement. They assumed that you had a lot of the story down, so it was almost like tying up the holes that was left. Um, I I agree with that, and um, well, and and even if you look at um, you know, the, the, the original trilogy, like you said, is, is like, you know, it's, it focuses on storytelling and it was made in a time where, um, you know, one, nobody had ever seen anything like this before. And then, uh, you know, save, you know, 2001, a space odyssey, uh, stuff like that. But, um, I don't think that either other trilogy would have worked the same way. Um, to be honest, I don't think any trilogy would have worked if you made it at the time a different trilogy was made. I don't think, I, I, for all its faults, I think that the prequels worked for that time. You know, where um, we were just figuring out, you know, computer-generated imagery. Um, George Lucas was very heavy into that. Um, I mean, he made so many strides that... Um, I want to say that um, if if I'm remembering correctly, I'm pretty sure it's not Lord of the Rings that did this, but I'm pretty sure it's the Star Wars prequels that made James Cameron realize that the technology was there to make Avatar. Mm-hmm. And and um, so I think that this 
this last trilogy, um, you know, the end of the, the Skywalker saga, as it's being called, um, is sort of the combination of the best of both worlds where um, the original Star Wars had pretty pretty solid storytelling. Um, and then, you know, your prequels had the advancements in CGI. Um, right, but they kind of slowed and, the storytelling way down. Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, because you had to tell... You had to tell the origin of one character. You know, you had all these peripheral characters. You know, you wanted to see Yoda. You wanted to see, you know, how Boba Fett came to be. And you wanted to see Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and all that stuff. But it was mainly about Anakin. Um, I mean, this this whole story is about, you know, Anakin Skywalker more than it is about Luke. But, um, but I mean, you had to tell that over three movies instead of just one, which probably you could have gotten away with, but you took all that CGI and we've pretty much perfected it at this point. And, um, and then you take the storytelling, you know, of JJ Abrams and you mash it together and you kind of end up with something that's in between, you know, I think in the minds and and hearts of fans that's in between the original trilogy or it's slightly worse than the original trilogy, but it's way better than the prequels in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I, I really like the new trilogy, you know, and I know that I, Star Wars fans everywhere are passing out and, you know, probably they're, cursing. They're getting you know, their that fainting statement. couches out, and right. It, it, but I really, for what it is, and, and and that's the key factor there. And I think you you have to take that into consideration with what I'm saying. For what it is, I don't have a lot of problems with the new trilogy. Are there problems? Sure. But if I were to, if I didn't know anything about Star Wars at all, and I was a kid who had never seen any Star Wars whatsoever, and all I had was this last trilogy, I think I could enjoy it, and it would give me something to make me want to go back and have a formal introduction to the characters. Right. And, um... And I think that I think that we all forget that um, Star Star Wars. I mean, I I think, in my opinion, and it doesn't. It's not necessarily a kids' movie, but it was. I mean, in some ways, it was geared toward children. Um, I think that you know the original trilogy, not so much, but I mean, they had they had deals to sell toys before the movies even came out, and. Right. Um, and, you know, the more you get into Star Wars, like, I, I I truly believe that the prequels were totally geared toward kids, and they just knew that they could get in, you know, hey, let's put enough of the original Star Wars in there. Hey, we know that if we put Obi-Wan Kenobi in there, if we put Yoda in there, um, you know, Jango Fett and Boba Fett, you know, if you put all that stuff in there, it becomes a Star Wars movie. And then the adults who watch Star Wars as kids will want to see that as well. And now you have this new trilogy coming around. And you're like, okay, well, we want to pay homage to all this stuff that, you know, has come before. So we're making this movie that's geared toward younger people. But also, you know, we know who owns the money in the house. <laughs> you know, it's the adults right. that have this history with Star Wars. And so you know, 
let's put Luke Skywalker back in there. Let's put Leia back in there. Han Solo. Um, Han Solo, which I think out of all the three original characters, even though he's not in The Last Jedi, his presence has felt very strongly in The Last Jedi. Um, and then especially what happens in The Rise of Skywalker being, you know, the impetus for uh, Ben Solo's turn back to the light side. I, I think his arc is, is just incredible. Um, you know, and, the, and this, this whole, you know, new trilogy is mainly, I, I don't think it's necessarily about Ray in my opinion. I think it's almost more about Ben Solo than anybody else. Right. And, and, and that's one of the, that's one of the areas that, uh, me personally, I was very disappointed in with the new trilogy um, where I said, you know, there's problems. I really like it and everything is they made me care so much about this Ben Solo character. And then I feel like they really did not do what they could have with it. And they did not develop the story. Um, there, there's so much that could have been done. And that's where I think that we we lose or we miss out on the fact that they were telling the story. So, and these are long movies. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. we 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 miss out on the fact that you don't have them invest the time to tell the story and to get to know the character. One of the things I thought about is, you know, what if you would have had the time to go back and see him grow up or see the challenges that he went through, kind of like what they did with Ray. And, and I mean, we didn't get much of that, but you did get a little bit. Um, I, I saw Ray as her development almost the same way that I saw the development of Luke Skywalker in exactly. A New Hope forward, right? Right. Yeah, Ray, Ray is really, and it, it becomes quite apparent, you know, in The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, Ray is the Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. of the, the trilogy, and, and Ben Solo is obviously, you know, the, you know, the Darth Vader. But, um, right. And and the really sad thing is, is, uh, in my opinion, you know, you have all this beautiful, like, you know, you talk about the, that there wasn't a lot of character development for Ben Solo, but, um, I mean, to be honest, even though there's not, you know, the, the story and all that stuff, I mean, he has the best, you know, plot, uh, points and he has the best, you know, through line through the whole new trilogy, in my opinion, I, I think that, you know, I, everything, you know, I think that JJ Abrams and, and obviously Ryan Johnson had sort of a conflict to where, um, you know, even though we were following Ray around in the force awakens, um, you know, it was really, and, and you can make, you can see this as evident in the, in the rise of Skywalker when JJ takes the reins back, you know, um, it's really a Kylo story in, you know, the force awakens. And then Ryan Johnson's like, well, let's, let's see what's up with Ray. And then they, I mean, they have like the best storyline for Ray in the last Jedi. And then JJ Abrams is like, Nope, I got it back. And now it's Kylo again, which I don't mind. I think Adam driver is one of the best actors of our time. Um, but I, I think that there was some conflicts behind the scenes that really caused, you know, issues and, um, a lot of issues with fandom and stuff that really, um, I mean, this is one of the first, uh, you know, trilogies that were like, okay, we're going to take a look at, you know, what the fans are saying, um, and almost steer some stuff in that direction. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's where for me, so I, I mean, as we move into the, you know, episode nine, you know, the way episode eight ends, this is, this is where I, I, I really struggled with, uh, and here's, you know, one of the problems for me, if I, if I were to look at how things did not seem to connect, um, totally is I remember the ending of episode eight and you have, you know, the boy that's in, or, or I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl. Yeah, it's, uh, a, but, it's a boy. But, he, okay, yeah, so he's in the stable, and it's like he's sweeping or whatever, and he looks out into the stars. And so so I get this connection that, okay, so it's a it's a passing of the torch. There's this new generation, um, the, the old trilogy, the, you know, the old story, all of that's going away. And then... The opening of episode nine totally doesn't do anything with any of that. It's almost like it's it's its own movie the way it, it kicks off. I mean, did you get that or? Oh yeah, no, totally. And and basically, um, in all the interviews that I saw with J.J. Abrams, they were like, "No, we love we love Ryan Johnson and we love what he did with episode eight. And then in the movie, it's very apparent that they didn't like episode eight. And they thought that it was garbage and they were turning their back on all of it. And um, that yielded some pretty cool moments. And that also yielded some pretty interesting, weird uh, caveats that they had to tell the story through. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm fully, you know, I fully believe that that boy was going to be Ryan Johnson's trilogy. And then they saw the reaction to um to uh, the last jedi and we'll never see that boy again <laughs> right right well and 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 you know i don't i know that this is going to be about episode 9 but just a nugget here is that goes back to why as much as we're all fans and we all have an opinion it it becomes tiresome of me that the studios seem to listen on some films like this so much to what the fans want. Exactly. No, I, um, and, and trust me, I, I am not without some criticism for episode eight, but honestly, it, it might be my favorite star Wars film. Um, I feel like, you know, I just have to ceremoniously put Emperor strikes back, uh, empire strikes back above everything else. But, I mean, if we're just being real and honest, Episode Eight's probably my favorite one of the franchise. And, um, yeah, it, Episode Nine just totally just takes it, and it's like, you see this? <laughs> we don't like this, and you did this. And it's like shoving a dog's nose into the pee that it peed on the carpet. And mm. it's like, you know, it, you did this, and we don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. So, so you know, what, what are your thoughts? You know, okay. You know, we have not, uh, really talked about episode nine, um, at all. So, so I'm very curious personally, um, what your thoughts are about this. Okay. So, um, I think, okay. So I've seen it twice in theaters and, um, the second time I went, I really enjoyed it. And the first time I went, I really enjoyed it, but not as much. And there were some points that were supposed to be very serious points that I was laughing at. Um, and um, I think that, you know, to sum up my reaction, 
is the more I think about it, the less I like it. I do like it. I think it's a fine movie. Um, it's a hot mess and I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty much, um, if, if you put my opinion in a nutshell, it's a hot mess and I love it is, is how I feel about the movie. Um, you know, yeah, I think you've said that about a lot of movies here lately, so I'm not surprised. Um, and I, I think, I think the problem is, is I loved, it, it's one of those things. If you hated, uh, episode eight, there's a good chance that you're going to be on, uh, if, if, if you, we put, you know, liking it episode nine on a scale of zero to, to five or zero to, to 10, if you hated episode nine or episode eight, you're probably going to be on a, you know, somewhere between five and a 10 liking it. And if you loved episode eight, you're probably going to be somewhere on the scale of a three to a seven and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I mean, of course that's a generality. Um, yeah, but as, as the listenership drops off and they cringe, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could we could very well like lose the podcast by talking about Star Wars. Um but no I, I I but I'm I'm very interested in in hearing what you think about it and then we can go into more detail. So so overall um it probably it is um behind the Empire Strikes Back, it is probably my favorite Star Wars. Is it hands, okay, look, hands down. And, let, and let me Can I ask you a question ahead. real quick? Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to change your opinion or nothing. Um, and I think it's fine that, that you think episode nine is, is that high up. Um, I think everybody's entitled to their own opinion and I could see how somebody would like it that much. Um, are you saying that empire strikes back is the best because you think that you're supposed to, because I feel like I'm supposed to say that I feel like it's been ingrained in me to say that. No, but I, I rewatched Empire Strikes Back very recently and um I think I think that I have to give it to episode 8 over episode 5. Um but uh, carry on. I just wanted to I just wanted to, you know. No, so 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 yeah, so so real quick, let me tell you why I th- for me uh, Empire Strikes Back is 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 my favorite. And um so so here here are some of the I won't go through all of them cuz we don't have time, but but I'll give you some of the keys. So, for me, when I watch a film, as you know, the the audience doesn't know this, but you know this. For me, it's not just the experience of the film itself. I like to take in the what what did they design? How did they do the shots? Um, are they gonna Are they gonna show me something that I did not think that they could do from a technology standpoint of when they put it together has the director done something different you know because i i have to break it all down it's not just watching the movie itself um are they surprising me with something has something happened that's that's different visually have i been you know stunned for lack of a better word in some way some aspect and i'll never forget the opening to the empire strikes back 
when I saw the little glider things coming down through, and I can't remember what they were called, so I know everybody, again, listenership is just dropping. But, um, but when they were coming down and going through the legs of... Okay. Yeah, I believe you're referring to uh, X-Wings. Yes, the X-Wings. And they are going through the legs of those big... You know, and again, I'm not going to remember the, the, what they're called. AT-ATs? Yes, when they're going through that, and the way that that shot, I mean, I remember I was so excited as a kid the very first time I saw that, and I could not believe my eyes. I, I, I just, I didn't think that it was possible, and I couldn't figure out how they did it. I didn't know a lot about special effects or anything like that. I remember the blue tones of the film were, you know, with blue being my favorite color. It was just so aesthetically pleasing to me to see that and to watch that scene that on the old, you know, Betamax player, like I kept rewinding it and I watched it over and over again. And it just, it totally blew my mind, just that opening, first of well, all. It, and, and the crazy thing about that is, is there's a, there's a, um, a documentary, I believe, I don't know if you finished it, but, um, I mean, it obviously came out before Disney Plus, but I, I found it on Disney Plus called Empire of Dreams, mm-hmm. and it's about the original Star Wars trilogy. You know how they made it, and what you know George Lucas was going through, and how he was heavily inspired by the the hero's journey, and all that stuff. And one of the coolest things about the original trilogy that I just absolutely love, and and a lot of older movies um, that involve you know practical effects, and I mean they. I mean, the the digital effects were just barely fresh coming new. Like, a lot of, you know, digital effects were pioneered by Lucasfilm and Industrial Light and Magic while they were making Star Wars. And um, you can watch how they did all that stuff that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And it makes it, it's like, it's not like figuring out how you did a magic trick. It's not like, oh, well, the, the rabbit's actually in a box down here, and then when I put the hat on the table, there's a little flap and all that, and you're like, oh, that doesn't make it as magical. When you watch how they did all that stuff to get those scenes, especially the stuff on uh, on the planet Hoth, um, it makes it even more magical. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I think that they should release the original, you know, a, a 4K edition with the original trilogy intact without all the special uh, special edition things that George Lucas went back and did because I think that that artwork needs to be honored and all the changes we're not getting to see that but not only not only that Dennis is you know you, you mentioned the hero's journey so so we we have now we have a Luke Skywalker who is He's still not overly confident, but he has a different confidence in Empire because of the battle that they just went through. And now, you know, he's changing. And so, sure, he needs Jedi training. And sure, there's things that he goes through. But he has a different confidence. There's a different air about him. And I just, I enjoyed that. And what I saw was I, I I could see the growth of that character. And so as the story's being told, I love that. And then I love the um, engagement between him and Yoda. Again, with as he's trying to grow, as he's trying to learn, and he's trying to be trained and things like that. 
to me, there was there was something that spoke to me as a kid, and I, I can't even place that finger. You know, is it just the nostalgia of that movie? I I can't speak to that. But for me, every time I see those, and I'm I haven't seen Empire in in years, and I'm waiting for the 4K releases that are supposed to be coming out later this year, right? Before I go back and rewatch it. But all of that together, for me, is just the story and you know then you know naturally the magical you know when when the big reveal comes out you know luke i'm your father and all this but all of that together was just so unbelievable so to me it stands out out of all of them and you know another one that i really like that that people just go on and on and on about is episode 1 now i don't think it's one of the best but i really like episode 1 and a lot of it has to do with the pod races and things. Oh, the the pod racing is amazing. And, yeah, and uh, and for that to be shot in ninety nine or ninety eight, ninety nine, whenever they were doing that with the special yeah. effects, it was it was in intense. It was amazing. And I still one of the things I look at is, you know, recently I went back and I watched um, with the family because they had never seen uh, Superman Returns. Oh, okay. And. Superman Returns was like 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. And the special effects in that were not as good as the special effects in episode one, okay? Right. And 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 that's, um, I mean, they were just so, like, everybody rags on Jar Jar Binks. But Jar Jar Binks, to be honest, is, is really well done as far as uh, visual effects go. Um, you know, even, I mean, if you, if you take a, a look at, I think there's some different, really awesome stuff going on with, uh, with Gollum in, uh, Lord of the Rings. Right. But, um, but if you take, if you compare the two, just the, the two computer generated images side by side, I think to be honest, Jar Jar Binks wins every time as far as like visual effects go. Yeah. I mean, there, there was, he may not go down in history as being the greatest character, but you can definitely tell that there was love and care placed into the creation of that character. And it, it, it is what it is. But going back to your question, so so there, so there, that's why Empire is that thing that stands out. Now, right. when, we, when we look at Episode 9 again, I'm going back to the characters, okay? There's a lot of things that happened in that. But I think we saw Rey really developed now i'll tell you this one of the challenges that i had as far as accepting this is her development was so fast like we saw a little bit at the near the end of episode eight it's like she seems to be able to do all these things with the force that you know you're like come on now again the big reveal that kind of makes it make sense i guess is who her family is um you know but oh good well, I was just going to say, but but again, to see her growth as a character, to see what she goes through, to see her and Ben Solo's interaction and how they plan things. So all of that together, I mean, I really like I really got into that part of the story. And so for again, so when I'm looking at when I look at it, if there's something in the story that really just like grabs me then again, that's what I'm going to go into. And then like the scene where we thought Chewie was dead, you know, and you saw the, the pain and the turmoil that, 
Ray went through and things like that. If you grab me throughout the story with things like that, just me as a consumer, so to speak, if we, if we, if we can put it in those terms, I'll be forgiving of some of the holes in the storyline and some of the problems that everybody's going to see. Because I'll tell you, one of the scenes that just I could not stand is the big battle when all of a sudden you have like the, the barges opening up and people coming out on horses and everything. I was just like, come on. I, I mean, it, it was just over the top. I didn't care for any of that. But again, I can look past a lot of those things if you can really grab me with what you're doing with those characters in the story and in the amount of time that they had, I feel like they pulled it off with this one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with some of that. Um, I think that um, there's, like I said, I do enjoy the movie. Um, although I do think that I've, I find several issues with it. Um one thing that I think I definitely, I think I have some disagreement with you on is, um, the, the whole Chewbacca thing. Um, because I feel like there was some stuff left on the cutting room floor with that because you're like, okay, um, Chewbacca's dead. That's, uh, you know, that's, I remember feeling very, I guess, sad when, um, Chewbacca died uh, quote unquote died. But, um, then like three minutes later, uh, he's alive. And, um, there's this mysterious second freighter that was never shown on screen. That was never alluded to. Um, and they're like, okay, he was on the other freighter. Like they, they tell you that almost as if they were like, well, we're going to cut this out. So we need to get, um, Dom Hill Gleason saying, oh, there was another freighter and he was on it. Remember? And, um, and it kind of just, I, I, I think there's a lot of things that happen in this movie that either discount other movies or discount the movie itself. Because I think to be honest, if you're going to end the Skywalker trilogy in the Skywalker trilogy, um, or, or the Skywalker saga in the, in the Skywalker saga, I mean, I think that the impact of Chewbacca dying would have been better felt if he would have just been dead. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that I don't, there's not a reason I, to be honest, I can't think of a single reason why he needs to be alive in this movie. I don't think he does anything that's super duper important that I, I think that even though, yeah, it's a really weird way to kill him off, but it's Ray that killed him. You know, it's it's sort of like this weird struggle that she's continually had with the dark side, because even throughout all of the original, you know, starting from the very beginning, she always lets her anger fuel her. And um, and that's when she becomes, you know, more powerful than she can handle in the force. And you see that when, you know, the first time that she, uh, you know, creates force lightning and blows up that ship, and we think that Chewbacca died. Um, I think that would have been way more impactful if they would have just left him dead, in, in my opinion. Um, but you know, there's there's a few other things that I, I have issues with. Um, I mean, in the same vein. Um, I mean, you, you can cut me off anytime you want. Um, but 
another issue that I had was uh, C-3PO. And they do the exact same thing with C-3PO. Um, they're like, okay, you know, we're going to... Um, and, and they even allude to this in the trailer. Um, and, and most people had this figured out, you know, coming into it. They showed him with the red eyes. And they showed him, you know, saying, you know, what are you doing, 3PO? And he says, I'm taking one last look, sir, at my friends. And... Um, because he's losing his memory. That's that's what's going to happen. They have to... Before going into the movie, we knew, okay, C-3PO is going to lose his memory somehow. Um, and then they reveal there's this Sith dagger that he can't read, which is... is it's a great setup. It really is. It's a, it's a totally awesome setup where they're like, okay, we can't read this dagger. C-3PO can read this dagger. But there's this caveat that the only way we can get him to actually translate it to us and tell us what it is, is that he has to have this this operation done that allows him to read it, but also erases his memory of everything he's learned from the, A New Hope all the way up until now. He won't remember Luke Skywalker. He won't remember Leia. These people that live on in our memories, uh, even though they've died in in canon movie um you know these people that'll live on but c-3po a character that we've been with since the beginning uh will forget you know he's already forgotten his creator anakin skywalker he forgot obi-wan kenobi and then he remembered him and then all this stuff up until this point and you know they almost at first i was kind of upset and they were like Oh yeah, we're gonna do this. It'll erase his memory, but that's cool. And Poe Dameron's like, "All right, let's do it." You know, they're all, they're all shoving C three PO, and they're they're kind of treating him poorly in the beginning of the movie. And then, um, you know, C three PO finally gets to this point to where he's like, "There's no other way that this can be done except for me to make this sacrifice." And he even tells them, you know, they're like, "Isn't your memory backed up in an R two unit?" And he's like, yeah, but their memory um, backup is, is notoriously faulty. So you're like, okay, you know, this is this is clearing out all the excuses that anybody would ever say that C-3PO could have been brought in back, uh, could have been brought back. And then he finally turns to them and says, you know, this is what we have to do. Um, in, in the most beautiful way where they turn to him and he's like, what are you doing, 3PO, from the trailer? And he says, taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Right. And I think it's just a powerful moment. It really is a powerful moment. In my opinion, one of the most powerful moments of the movie. And then 30 minutes later, he gets his memory back. And it, well, and, it, and it discounts that to me. Well, I understand that, you know, and, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I've said that it's not that the movie doesn't have its problems, you know, but <coughs> excuse me, I had a little bit of cough left. But it, but it's not that the, the movie doesn't have its problems. I don't think that there's any perfect Star Wars movie with that being said. Um, no, there, I, I know, agree with that. Um, but when, when I take nine films put together that were a part of my childhood um, and then part of my y- young adult life, and then now I'm middle-aged and now, now part of that part of my life, uh, I would I would say that I you know I rank it up I rank this one up there high and I know that to your point earlier 
when you said, you know, you feel like you have to say Empire's the best because it's like that's what's believed. You know, uh, again, not to try to lose lose listeners, but I th- I really wonder at times if the majority of Star Wars fans often just regurgitate what they're told. Exactly. And and they don't actually have their own opinion. Exactly. And and I think that's I think the problem is is that and and this is what I think, you know, most of my problems with episode 9 again I enjoy the movie. I really do. I, I, I thought it was fun movie. I thought it was, you know, there's so many things in that movie that I just absolutely love. And there's so many scenes in the movie that are some of my favorite scenes from star Wars. But I think the problem lies for me, um, is with, you know, these people that regurgitate these opinions and then you end up with a movie like, um, you know, you, you end up, this these are the three like opinions that I hear or the top two opinions that I hear about Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and then Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens was it, the big opinion is it was a remake or a soft reboot of A New Hope, and I'm like, okay, yeah, it was, but you know, you get these new Star Wars fans that most likely have seen you know the the original trilogy with their parents and stuff like that, or have never seen star Wars at all. And it's, it's a really nice introduction, but the major, you know, hardcore fans or, or the fans that regurgitate, they're like, Oh, we wanted something new. Well, then you get episode eight and it's like, this is something new. I mean, it's, it's a lot like empire strikes back, but it's something different. I think it's the most different star Wars film that's come out. Um, and I'm not just saying that because it's my favorite, but um, I think if you look at all the different all the Star Wars movies, you know I think this is the most different one. Um, as far as how the story goes, it's it's really a darker Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. It's Ryan Johnson. <laughs> I mean, like look at his his filmography. But um, I don't I don't know why we expected anything different. But. Um, you know, even you got the trailers and you were like, you Luke Skywalker saying it's time for the Jedi to end and all that stuff. I mean, it was, it was dark. And then, you know, no way that was too different. Let's go back to something that's, you know, safe and normal, which totally fine with. But, um, and, and I think, I think JJ Abrams is a very competent director and a competent writer. Um, I know he wasn't the only one that wrote this, but I, you know, that's neither here nor there. So my point is, is I think that, like I said, the fans have influenced Star Wars in a way to where now it's like the the, the problem that I have with episode nine is it's like, all right, not only do we need to make a movie that's going to end the entire saga, but we also have to course correct for a movie that came before us. So, you know, when you get the, when you, when you get the image of like, Ray throwing the uh, she's burning up the the Kylo ship and she's like I'm just gonna stay here on the island that Luke did he did the right thing and then she throws the uh, the lightsaber and Luke catches it with as a force ghost which is arguably one of the coolest scenes in the movie it just is like and he's like I was wrong to be on this island and you're like okay um, we get it you don't like the last Jedi <laughs> like I think I think the problem, many of the problems that I have with the movie is that in a way it's almost a a call and response where the last Jedi is the call 
and the rise of Skywalker is the response. Right. And, right. And, and one of my biggest issues, and I don't know if you have this issue, is I think that one of my favorite parts about The Last Jedi was that we find out that Ray's parents were absolutely nobody. Hmm. And that Star Wars no longer, the Force no longer has a lineage or it's not tied to a family that I think, I think that people overlook one of the coolest messages from star Wars is that you don't have to be there from the last Jedi. And, and I think a lot of other star Wars movies do it, you know, in such a way to where it's not all about family for a while, but here recently it's been all about family, especially in episode nine, you know, that's, that's, it's all about where you were born from because they course corrected. But uh, when Kylo says, you know, your parents were nothing. They were filthy junk traders who are buried in a, in a, in a pauper's grave uh, out in the desert. And you're nothing. You're absolutely nothing. And Ray's crying. And she, she knows she's known this so long within her, within her mind that, you know, she's just never had the courage to say it. And then finally, you know, we find out that she's from nothing. And I mean, he ends, he says, you're nothing, you're nothing, but not to me. And I think the thing that is, is very powerful there is it says, okay, you don't have to be born special into the special, you know, family, or you don't have to be born into this class or you don't have to be born into this race or, or anything like that to be special and to become somebody. And I think that that was one of the cooler messages that the last Jedi said, or that had the last Jedi had to say. And then they turn around and they're like, "Oh wait, never mind. You're a Palpatine." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that where you you get to keep that message though is with Finn. Yes, and that. I think Finn was Finn, in my opinion, had the most potential of the whole story of the whole, you know, trilogy. And I think that they didn't, I don't know if they knew what to do with him or not. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that that's where, as they continue on with a, you know, star Wars in the future, you you never know they might take that character and do something with that character. I don't know. I think I think they're foolish if they do not do something yeah. with that character. Finn yes, Finn it, is one of the greatest characters of the new trilogy in my opinion. I agree. And I to be honest, I thought I thought in the last Jedi they were going to kill Finn. And I thought that that was going to be his story arc. I thought he was going to sacrifice himself for the resistance. Mm-hmm. And I I thought that would have been amazing. But now that he survived under circumstances, which some people are okay with and some people are not, um, I think that they have to do something with this character. Like, I think they, I agree. They absolutely have to. And especially with the, um, with with the revelation that, you know, he wasn't going to tell Ray that he loved her. He was going to tell Ray that he was force sensitive. That I think that now I mean, you almost have an obligation to do something with him now because right. 
Well, and with Disney, with Disney Plus, they have the opportunity to even give Finn a spinoff. Oh, for sure. I, I, I would, I would hope that they would. Um, but I, I think, um, again, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm just ragging on this movie because I really, and, and I always want to preface it. I really didn't enjoy this movie. Um, one of the issues that I did take with it is that the, um, the whole spy in the first order thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, hang on, let me, let me collect my thoughts. I thought that that, um, was almost just a way to kill off general Hux, who is also a really cool character in, um, star Wars. I think he's probably the most I've ever cared about. Like somebody that was on like the empire or the first order or whatever. But, um, I think that I just don't think that it worked in this movie, him being the spy, because you never, I mean, the only thing that you get is like this tidbit of information, which I think could have been gotten a different way. And I think that you, you messed up an opportunity to, and I don't I feel like there was something left on the cutting room floor with Finn to where Finn was going to tell Ray that he was force sensitive because they keep having him say, I was going to say this thing. You were going to say this thing. What was this thing? Poe asks him, what were you going to tell Ray? Uh, I can't tell you. Like, it's a secret between me and Ray. Like, and they, they allude to the fact that he's force sensitive. Or they, they allude to the fact that it's going to be that he, you know, is going to tell Ray that he loves her. Because we all see how he feels about Ray. He's always worried about Ray. He's the guy that shouts Ray in the movie like a thousand times. Anytime something's going on. And so you, you see that he cares for her and he has this affection toward her. And then it's revealed, you know, hey, he was going to say that he was force sensitive. Totally cool. I don't need a ton of romance in my in my Star Wars movies. But I think they missed a really good opportunity when they were about to execute them. Like uh, when Poe and Rose and I believe it was, yeah, it was Poe and Rose and Finn we're about to be executed, you know, via blaster. And then general Huck says, no, I'm going to do it. And then you see these blasts behind them. And then he reveals that he's the spy. It was a funny moment in the movie, but I think a cooler moment in the movie would have been if, you know, you see, you know, I'm going to execute them. General Hux is still a bad guy. He's not the spy. This is my own rewrite, but general Hux is the bad guy. He's not the spy. Um, general Hux says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to execute them. They've been a thorn in my side for who knows how long. And then, you know, we know that Finn is force sensitive, you know, or this would be the reveal that he's force sensitive. They have a small reveal in the end where he feels, you know, Ray dying. Um, and, and you can see it's almost the same way that, that Leia feels that, uh, Han Solo is dying. And in the first one, but, um, if Hux would have gone to shoot them and then Finn armed with being force sensitive and armed with the knowledge of what the force can do stops the blaster. And then it's revealed that Finn is force sensitive. Mm-hmm. And then you have these two for light side force sensitive people, which would have made sense because if you talk about, you know, darkness rising and light to meet it, you had two Force-sensitive people that were still alive on the dark side, and now you have these two Force-sensitive people that are alive on the light side, Finn and Ray, 
I mean, it totally make it, it totally would make sense in my opinion, in my own head canon, if you will. Yeah. Well, well, so what we can do is we can um, tell Disney that you are open to be a writer in the next trilogy. <laughs> I and that will stop all these problems. So there you I, go. I don't, I don't even want to be a writer. <laughs> it's just for the next, I, I just want to voice my frustration in a way that. So, um, so you're, you're like everybody else that we were talking about earlier that I, just can't enjoy the movie. No, I can't enjoy the movie. I just have, I just have some problems with the movie. I have problems with the last, um, with the last Jedi, but I think, and I want to say, let me, let me just say this. I, I complain about this movie, but I want to say it's either my third or my fourth top Star Wars movie. Like it's up there. It's in my top five. So I'm, I'm, I don't hate the movie. I just have some issues with the movie that I think could have been handled better, but I think they were too busy trying to answer the fans to say, no, 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 don't, don't get worked up over the Star Wars one uh, that came before you know, we're going to, don't worry, JJ's going to make it right. Like, right. And, 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 you know, some of that stuff, I may be, I may be being too hard on the film. Um, you know, the CP3, C3PO issue may be a non-issue for most people. Um, I think that there, there are rumors that there are three different cuts of this movie. And the one that is out in theaters is not the one that JJ approved. So I'm not one of those, you know, release the Snyder cut people, but, um, I think that there uh, were some things to, I, I am. I just want to make that are. clear. I, I believe that we deserve Look, a better justice league movie. I, I want to take this opportunity. I think that we deserve a better justice league movie, but let me say this. I don't think a Snyder cut exists. I think I, that I, I don't either. I, I think I we just think like that to we're believe being it played. But I think that it would be awesome if it existed and it was better than the, the you know, Zack Snyder, J- Joss Whedon, Frankenstein Justice League that we got. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think the Snyder could exist at all. Well, um, but, okay, so real quick, and I have to cut you off so I don't forget this. Apologies. But, again, that's what happens when you have fans trying to dictate to the studios what their expectations are, and then the studios keep making all these changes. They won't let the cut come out that should have. They don't let the directors and the producers and everybody that have a vision do what they should do, and then we get this Frankenstein movie that bombs at the box office, and then they want to blame it. Oh, it was too dark. Oh, it wasn't really what it... No, you didn't give us what we should have gotten in the first place. Well... And, and to your point, I think that that is a real good um, analogous um, trilogy that to this new Star Wars trilogy. I think that, um, think of what you will about Man of Steel. I think Man of Steel is one of the best depictions of Superman of all time. And I think you might agree with me on that. Uh, um, actually, I do. Yeah. And I, I think Henry Cavill is amazing. I think that he has been wasted since Man of Steel uh, to the point that he no longer wants to do Superman anymore. But, um, and the same thing with Ben Affleck as Batman. I think that they wasted Ben Affleck as Batman in Justice League to the point that he doesn't want to be Batman anymore. 
and I'm surprised that uh, Gal Gadot wants to be Wonder Woman. But um, well, and Ben well, Affleck she is one of my movie. favorite Batman's. What? What was that? Ben Affleck is one of my favorite Batmans, oh, as much yes, as I, I like think, Christian Bell. I think he might be my favorite Batman. Yeah. But, um, but the that like I said, that's a good uh, analogous relationship between these two movies because you have this Man of Steel movie that you know, love it or hate it, there were a lot of people that enjoyed it, and you know, very much like The Force Awakens, and then they were like, all right, it's time for Batman v Superman. And everybody was kind of excited about it. And then everybody went and watched it. And for two weeks, everybody loved it. And then after two weeks, something happened. And everybody hated it. And, I mean, except for me. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. And I think, did you enjoy Batman versus Superman? I did. But my issue was I thought I was going to see Superman Part 2. And what I saw was half of a Superman movie and half of a Batman movie. Exactly. And if that well, if that would have been what I expected to see, I would have been a hundred percent on board. And and I still think it's a great film. I just that wasn't what I expected to see. Right. And then it's like, okay, so we've made this movie that everybody liked, and then we made this movie that everybody hated. Uh, the general consensus is everybody hated it. And then they're like, okay, what do we do with Justice League? We make it Dark Avengers. And yeah. that's what happened. And then every everybody was so-so on it. Um, there's people that love it. There's people that hate it. But for the, the general consensus is it's a fine movie that I probably won't watch again. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to feel that I've heard have been feeling about the rise of Skywalker. You know, there's people that love it. There's people that hate it. And there's people that are so-so on it because both Justice League and and Rise of Skywalker feel like a course correction. Like, I mean, it, it physically feels, I was in my seat and I felt like I was turning a different direction and saying, ah, this is the course that, that Star Wars must be upon. But, um, right. but and, and again, if you love it, more power to you. If you hate it, more power to you. I like well, the film. Well, I have some good news for you, though. If that's the case, and that might very well may be, look what happened next with DC. They gave us Wonder Woman and then Aquaman and then Shazam. Oh, yeah. And I, I was extremely happy with all three of those. So maybe the next three uh, Star Wars movies will be that, okay, now we've got it down. Now we know what to do. Well, and and if you've been reading some of the news, which I... um. I take everything that happens with a grain of salt because one day it could be this and the next day it could be that. But apparently either uh, John Favreau, uh, Kevin Feige, or um, Taika Waititi have been tapped for uh, to helm the next three movies uh, that come out from Star Wars as the next trilogy. Um, which either, I mean, I like all of them, but I don't know how to feel about a next trilogy from from any of those people. You know, so here's what I'll say with Star Wars. Do I want another trilogy at some point in time in my lifetime? Absolutely. Do I want it within the next 10 years? Absolutely not. 
Um, yeah, no, that's that's a pretty good assessment. Um, I don't know if I want another trilogy. I I feel like I want I want movies that exist within Star Wars that have no that could have bearing on other things. Um, and a very good example is um, Rogue One is a movie that has a lot of bearing on based on the previous trilogy before it, um, the, the prequels, and then the original trilogy. It has to lead you to a certain point, but I think the movie succeeds by going in, you go into the movie knowing the fact that all of these people are absolutely disposable people. They're all... Well, and, and one thing, too, about that. Now, although I don't consider Rogue One a part of Star War, the Star Wars trilogies at all, even though I know it's an arc movie, I will tell you this. Rogue One in the Star Wars universe is an absolute brilliant film. I thought it was great. I know a lot of people had a lot of bad things to say about it, as usual. Sometimes I just think people like to say bad things, personally. Oh, but, yeah. Everybody everybody, but, everybody wants to have their their two cents that they throw in. Now, but, um, I'm, but I'm telling you, I thought Rogue One was brilliant. And it is, in the Star Wars universe of, of films, if you want to say my top five Star Wars, and we don't have to just keep it straight to the trilogies themselves... Like that would probably be it would probably be Empire Strikes Back for me, Rogue One, and then Episode Nine. See, I think I, I don't remember where I have Rogue One on my list, but it is up there. It, I think it might be in my top five. But um, yeah, I, I think Rogue One is great. The only complaint that I had about Rogue One, and I'm I'm, I'm going to be a Debbie Downer always, but the only complaint that I had about Rogue One is I wish they would have saved Darth Vader until the very very end. Like, that was the only spot he was in. Now, I, I think everywhere else he sort of fails in being um, Darth Vader. Um, but I think that at the very end, it's one of the coolest scenes in Star Wars. When he comes in, and I don't remember who... Was it Garrett Booth that did um, that directed uh, Star Wars? Um, or, or he directed Rogue One. It's the same guy that did Godzilla 2014. And um, he treats that scene, and, and I, I've been saying this for years since I saw this movie, he treats the very last scene, you know, before the, the Princess Leia scene, he treats that Darth Vader scene like a horror movie. Like mm-hmm. a well-done horror movie. Yeah. Because you you have the, the sirens going off, and you're all like, oh, this is what's happening. This is like leading us into a new hope. It's ushering us in. It's like right on the heels of a new hope. And um, you see, you're, everybody's like, let's go, get in here. And they're like, oh, the door's stuck and all this stuff. And you hear the, the sirens going off and then everything goes quiet. And all of a sudden you hear, and you're like, no, no way. <laughs> and then all of a sudden his lightsaber ignites. And it's the coolest like 90 seconds in Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember, like, as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, I guess we need to watch episode four. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, there is a um, there's a video online that does that to where it um, somebody spliced together the end of Rogue One and the beginning of A New Hope, and it, it blends so well. It's, it's absolutely amazing. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, and I think it just goes back to just how much we we all enjoy these films. And you know, I was I was talking to my son the other day about Star Wars, shocker, and <laughs> um, we, we were just talking about the the world that George Lucas created and the characters and the study that went into it and you know, how we can all relate to the characters in some way, shape, or form. And that's I think that's what we love about Star Wars. Exactly. Um, I want to do... I, I, I know that we're, we're almost done. We've, we've crossed over the hour mark. Um, but I, I do want to ask you something, because I, I mentioned a lot of times that I have, like, favorite scenes from movies and, and all that stuff. Um, I did want to ask you what your favorite scene from this movie was well I actually have two favorite scenes that I equally like so that's that's the hard part right it, go ahead with both of them I, I I would not be uh surprised if you had you know more than one favorite scene yeah so so the two favorite scenes um are when when Ray and Ben have their um fight when they uh are on and I can't remember uh, when they on, go, they're they're in the indoor system, right, right, and um, that scene when they begin to fight, I mean, it's just it's so intense, it's so great. I mean, the writing for that was brilliant, just all the way around. Um, I I had a grin on my face all the way to each ear, I'm sure. Um, but that 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 was my favorite scene until. Um, I saw this scene where Ray is uh, facing uh, Palpatine, and um, she has the second lightsaber that she gives Ben, and then he <sighs> begins to fight at the same time. Those two are, are equally, you know, oh. I mean, in the same. For me, I just I don't know how one's better than the other. They're just both great. I um, that you your your one that tied is um is my favorite scene. Um, it has to be in my top three favorite scenes in all of Star Wars. Um, it, and that is my favorite scene in the movie when Ray is looking at Palpatine and goes to strike him down is, which is something that he wants to save her friends. And then all of a sudden you see the force connection between Ray and Ben Solo, who is now Ben Solo, no longer Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren is gone. He's dead. Um, and she she puts the lightsaber behind her head and then pulls it back as if it is a magic trick. And you see in Palpatine's eyes, you know, well, first, let me go back. You see Ray and Ben look at each other. And and it's one of the coolest things about I that The Last Jedi set up and that The Rise of Skywalker pays off so beautifully. It's one of those things that where you're like, well, maybe they don't hate the rise of Scott, or, or maybe they don't, they don't hate the Last Jedi, because they took something that was set up in the Last Jedi, which was great. Um, you know, the the bridging of the minds together, and they could talk to each other, and you always felt like they were in the same room with each other. And um, you know, they they expressed that more when you know they reached out to touch each other other's hands, and Ben Solo was in the um, the hut with Ray when Luke finds them. And then when they're fighting in the, one of my favorite fight scenes between Ray and Kylo, 
besides the one where they're on the wreckage of the Death Star is the one where Ray is in Kylo's ship and, right. um, and Kylo is on that planet and they're fighting. Right. And, he's, and, and he's trying to figure out where she's at. Yeah. Yes. And they keep like hitting things in each other's, um, each other's place. And then like it revolves around them and they keep like almost like transporting from place to place, but they can't really tell where he can't really tell where she is. Um, and then it's like, okay, Kylo Ren's basically down for the count and Ray has this hard decision to make. And you know, they set up something when they're like, you know, I thought she was just going to give Ben the, the lightsaber and that was going to be that. But then she put, you know, she sees him and you can see that she's no longer looking at Palpatine. She's looking at Ben and Ben gives her like this nod. That's like, okay, what are these two guys coming up with? You know, what's, what's their plan? And she puts it behind her back and then it's gone. And then Ben pulls it out from behind his back and gives this little like shrug, like, sorry guys, you know, like the Han Solo shrug. And he gives it to him and then he just takes him out. Yeah. And then at the same time, Ray's like using the force to like shoot blasters back at people and like killing them. And it's, it's one of the most amazing scenes in the movie. I have to say if I had a tie, um, it, it would probably be a three-way tie between that, the, the scene where the, she's on the ship and he's on the planet and they're fighting each other. And, um, when Han Solo shows up, when, when Ben Solo has been like abandoned um, and he's on the wreckage of the Death Star, and all of a sudden you hear "Hey, kid," and you're like, "Wait, is that is that Harrison Ford? Did he come back for one more?" Mm-hmm. Something he would, something you thought he would never do, and right. then he's the yeah. Impetus. And I remember thinking that. Yeah, I remember thinking what. It, yeah. But see, I love that too, though that Harrison Ford made it. You know, through six of the movies was I loved that. Oh yeah, and um. Yeah, it, it it's so it's such a beautiful scene where they basically it's it, and it's his memory. So he he's not only talking to his dad, who he can no longer talk to, who he murdered, but he's using this memory to replay the worst moment is in in his entire life, where he killed his father and he has this remorse about it that's been haunting him since. Uh since he did it and um and he replays that moment in his mind where he says you know i don't have i know what i have to do but i don't know if i have the strength to do it and then his and then han solo says you do i he basically says i know you do and then he looks at him and he says dad and that was, man, that was one of the most emotional moments in the movie for me. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm about to cry, like, right now. Like, um, but he says, Dad. And then Han Solo's response, I don't, I want to see if you caught this. Hans, what, do you remember what Han Solo's response was when he, when he says, Dad? I don't remember, no. He says, I know. <laughs> and you know, you know where that's from, right? Like when, right, when, right, when she says, she's, she when says she, I love you or something. Yes, and he says, and he I, know. Says, I yeah. know. And it's and then he tells her that he loves her, and he says and she says and obviously they raised this kid together and this had to be something you know just thinking head cannon for me this had to be something between 
Han and Leia that they did in front of Ben. Mm-hmm. You know, he would probably say, I love you as he was leaving to go somewhere and Carrie and Carrie, uh, Leia would go, I know. And, and Leia would say, I love you. And Han would say, I know. And in that moment, when he calls him dad, this is the first time he's ever called him dad that we've heard. And, uh, he goes, dad. And he says, I know. And then as if to say, you know, I love you and I love you too. And then he throws the lightsaber into the water and he's no longer, he's no longer Kylo Ren. He's been solo from that point on. And it's such mm-hmm. a beautiful scene. And it's, uh, it's one of the greatest scenes in Star Wars. Yeah. Well, so, so one of the things we haven't talked about yet too, and, and thinking about that brought this up was the way that they handled the death of Leia. Yes. They, they gave her, and I thought this was beautiful. They gave her a formal Star Wars funeral in the middle of that movie. Yes, yes, they did. Um, I, I've had such a hard time um, trying to to grasp how I feel about Leia being in the movie, and I know that it was done with the greatest amount of care, and um, and I know that Billy Lord, who who was is her daughter, um, you know, gave them permission to use the existing footage. Um, some of it seems very limiting because it's all they had. And sometimes throughout the movie, I sort of wish that they would have just gone the Spock route from Star Trek into darkness. Um, but the more I think about it, the less of a problem I have with it. I think that they, they did a really good job, um, finishing what, what Carrie would have wanted. And it, it was a good arc for Leia where she reached out to her son, you know, one more time. And, um, and you know, her and, uh, Han Solo, you know, I, I think it was a team effort, you know, bringing him home, um, to the light side, but, um, and yeah, when the way they, the way they did the funeral, um, scene for her was, was amazing. And, um, I think one of the greatest, um, tributes to Carrie Fisher at least and the character of Leia was when they had when um Luke Skywalker was telling Rey the story of how he trained Leia after the events of Return of the Jedi and um she realizes that she has this premonition that her son would be bad if she continued being a Jedi and so this really powerful you know Jedi from this powerful line uh, lineage decides to put away her lightsaber um, in hopes that somebody new would pick it up and finish her legacy. And um, I think, I mean, beyond the Palpatine legacy and all that stuff, in my opinion, I think that's the, I think that was the better route than, um, than making her a Palpatine is just making her somebody like, at the end, I, I don't have a problem with the Ray Skywalker thing. And I think that would have been better emphasized if they wouldn't have done the Palpatine thing. If she would have just been, you know, a, a powerful Jedi that Palpatine wanted to use. And, um, yeah, I, I think that that moment would have hit more home of her picking up the lineage of Leia and her choosing the name Skywalker because she had nobody. And then these people became her family. Right. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, all those things, like the more I think about it, the more it makes me want to see the film again. It makes me want to oh, go back and, sure. and rewatch all of the trilogies. Not that I, I have no idea when I'll have time to do something like that. But um, um, we'll, we'll have time to do it uh, February 8th. <laughs> yeah, February 8th. <laughs> but um you, you know but it but I think it reinforces like just the um the joy that these characters uh you know have brought so many people in the world and um how much how much you know we really enjoy not only the art form and I can't say enough about how thankful we are that we have access to the technology through filmmaking and the actors and everything that they bring from the industry to create art like this that we can enjoy and take with us. And we share it with our friends. We share it with our families. Um, it's just really neat overall. And I, I don't really know what else I can say about it, but I, I just, I enjoy it. And well, I felt like it was a, it was a fair ending to, you know, Skywalker. And, and and I I would agree with that. I, I do think that it was a, I, you know, like you said, it's a very fair ending to the Skywalker saga. Um, there's always that lingering part of me that wishes that Ben Solo would have lived, but um, I think it's fine that he sacrificed his life for her because he loved her in the end. But um, oh, what was I gonna say? One thing that I think that is is very cool about Star Wars is um and i think sort of got lost in the prequels in a way because they had very big name actors in the prequels that you know they had samuel L. jackson and and liam neeson um and uh i don't know how big ewan mcgregor was at the time uh but even ian mcdermott he was he was a fairly well-known actor um but in the original trilogy you know, like Harrison Ford was probably the best known out of everybody. And he wasn't even really that well known. And so they cast these people in the original trilogy. And, and George Lucas was very indie minded. He didn't want to be beholden to a studio or anything like that. And um, you can even see that shine through in the prequels um, that he wasn't beholden to any studio. Uh, he made the movie that he wanted uh, with the technology that he had. But even the new trilogy, I know people talk about how Disney owns everything and all that stuff, but they really went out of their way to still follow that Lucas model of finding relatively unknown actors and thrusting them into stardom the way almost an indie film that performs really well would do. Um, you know, Daisy Ridley wasn't that well-known. John Boyega wasn't well-known. Probably the most well-known was the in in you know that first introduction was um you know besides the original 3 was um uh, I'm trying to remember Oscar Isaacs who played uh Poe Dameron I mean the Han Solo character uh, basically uh he was the most well-known uh actor in the movie and uh everybody else was you know relatively unknown people and um I think there's something special about that um, that you don't see in a lot of movies today to where Star Wars has positioned itself as this, and I, I think Marvel should take note of this. Um, Marvel and Star Wars have positioned themselves in such a way that 
they can say, okay, we're going to take a risk on this new actor or actress because we're so big. It's almost like the too big to fail type model to where it's like, we can take a risk on this unknown named actor, actor, actress, because we know that we have the power of star Wars or the power of Marvel behind us that people will come and see it and be more open to seeing new faces. And, um, and I think it's really a, a, I'm trying to think of the word for it, but I think it's a really, uh, good breeding spot for new unknown actors and actresses because they Mm -hmm. can take those risks. Unlike, you know, the, I, I, I don't know if even the bond franchise, to throw out a franchise that we both enjoy. I don't know if the Bond franchise could take that same risk that Marvel or DC even or Star Wars could take to introduce new actors. New actors and actresses, yeah. So, and that... Excuse me. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. And, and I hope that, you know, as Disney continues to grow and expand as a as the the only studio practically um and eat up everything <laughs> yeah yeah i know right it's like it's like what does 2020 hold are they gonna purchase paramount are they gonna purchase warner brothers who's next you know but um i i just think that i think that they they should take chances like that but again i think that with the overwhelming majority of those types of characters we i think that 2020 and moving forward we're going to see more and more independent filmmakers writers and people come together and create a new um franchise like a star wars because somebody will take and create their own thing and it will be big just like what george lucas did with star wars and and it's going to come out of the fact that just like back then you had the big studios who were going to fund and create a certain type of movie today with Disney being the biggest, you know, and then you got Warner and Paramount and Universal. And then, you know, you have your studios, you know, across the globe, you have uh, a lot of European studios, you know, as you know, I like to watch a lot of the movies that come out of the UK. They have phenomenal actors, phenomenal writers and things like that. But I think that here in the States, you're going to continue to see more people just get out and create their own content. And and we're going to see something new. We're going to see, you know, Star Wars 2.0 or whatever um, come out of the woodworks. Exactly. And, and it's one of those things that I think is just, you know, I think that as, you know, everybody's focusing on, you know, Disney eating up all these properties. Um, I think that, like you said, what we're not focusing on is, you know, companies like A24 and um, a bunch of other, you know, what would be considered independent uh, film companies, um, you know, are just producing these, you know, just absolutely wonderful films that people are not only watching, but, you know, they're they're making revenue. And, um, you know, then you end up with people like, you know, Taika Waititi, who, you know, for a while was the Hunt for the Wilder People guy and the What They Do in the Shadows guy. And now he's the Marvel guy and possibly the Star Wars guy. And so mm-hmm. you're seeing this, this you know, as, as hard as it feels to see, you know, this big corporation eating up all these smaller properties and you think that it's becoming harder and harder, which, trust me, I'm not for 
you know, Disney owning all this stuff. Um, but there is this back door that's slowly creaking open more and more and more that eventually I think most of our movies that come out are going to be independent movies. They're taking over, you know, independent movies are taking over the Oscars. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of movies that are coming out now. Like I said, that not only are performing well, but they're also critically acclaimed. People are enjoying them and they're winning the awards. Yeah. So, so with that, and because we are way over our time, uh, oh, yeah, for sure. you, you brought me to something else. And I, I personally believe that in the near future, we're going to see independent production studios that are going to license movies because there is going to be a continual demand for physical media. And, oh, yeah, for sure. And physical media is where it's at. And yeah. And, and the only, I guess the only issue that I would take with that is, you know, these independent studio houses, um, that are producing these movies, uh, aren't going to have the, the same capital that these bigger studios are going to have. And I, I think I get what you're saying where in, you know, in the future they probably will, but most of, most of your movies that come from independent studios, I know we're big fans of 4k, uh, a lot of them are only coming out on Blu-ray or DVD. And um, I think that hopefully one day, you know, they'll they'll retain that amount of capital to be able to produce, uh, you know, 4K discs and all that stuff. But um, because they are filming for that, you know, like even though some films are filmed on film, you know, the 35 millimeter is, uh, I believe, the equivalent of 6K. And, um, you know, they're, they're filming on 6K cameras, 8K cameras. So I just think that, the distribution side is lacking, but eventually that will come around and we will see a lot of the independent films that we enjoy coming out on 4k. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, I mean, you know, that, that leads me to, um, uh, there's a word that just seems to resonate from my heart when I think about it. And, um, or actually it's a group of words and, um, I don't know. Maybe I should just say them. I keep hearing them in my head, but it's a uh, long um, live physical media. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that, um, those were words that I once heard in the former year that, um, in the former decade that just closed. And I feel like there was a great longing that I had to hear those words. Um, in the new decade, as um, more people are increasingly watching stuff on streaming or or buying only the digital copy of stuff um, when it comes out three weeks before the physical copy that also includes the digital copy that costs the same price as both combined. Um, but I feel like I've just been having this hole in my heart that needed to hear the words long live physical media and I appreciate that I appreciate you saying those words I feel like not only is my my mind expanded my heart is relieved I feel I feel holistically better I feel like my my body my my soul and my spirit have been lifted to hear those uh, those uh, those uh, four simple words 
Yeah. And um, you heard it first right here. It's it's better for your eyesight, for the, your eyes not to strain and your ears, for your ears not to be like strained with compressed, like overly compressed audio that's that's non disc. Where you have to you have to turn the volume up so loud to hear the voices mm-hmm. because the music is mixed too loud and the sound effects are so loud that you can barely hear what people are saying. And the, the, the video quality is dependent upon your internet connection, which can vary due to household to household or location or, or geography or demographic. I mean, um, it's, it's insane. But I just, I feel like a heavy weight has been lifted, um, if I do say so myself. But uh, that being said, I think that um, I think that an hour and a half is is a good enough apology for being gone for two weeks. Um, <laughs> I, it, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> I concur. Um, so uh, that being said, uh, we're gonna go ahead and cut it off right here. Um, again, we appreciate everyone that has been you know reaching out to us, asking us about the podcast. Um, I, again, it's not an annoyance to us at all. In fact, we would like more interaction. Um, so if, again, if you are not, uh, following us on the Facebook page, we're working on Instagram, we're working on Twitter. Um, but right now Facebook is the place to go. Just, uh, search extreme close up. Um, if it looks anything like our podcast artwork, then that is the correct one. Um, just go ahead and give us a like. And join the community of people and fans of the podcast and people who enjoy uh, physical media, people who enjoy movies, people who enjoy uh, home theater systems, people that enjoy talking about behind the scenes of movies, reviewing movies, all that stuff. Um, you know, that it's it's we're going to be trying to be posting more in the new year. That's one of our goals is to post more on that page, be more interactive with fans Um and also, you know, again, our goal is to post on every Monday uh, in the new year. I think that's a solid goal and I'll, because we did promise it. But again, we do seek more fan interaction. If you do have any suggestions of topics we should cover, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, we want to keep in touch and we want to uh, see what our fans are into. Um, and we just want to be very interactive with you all. And it's just as much as y'all, y'all show as it is our show. And we do appreciate the interaction that y'all given us so far. Uh, tell your friends about it. Uh, rate us on um, on anywhere you get your podcast. Please rate us five stars on iTunes, on Spreaker, if you can do that, on Google Podcasts, um, on Spotify, all the places that you can get your podcast. We are most likely on there. Um, so please subscribe rate our podcast, like our Facebook page. And, uh, if you're interested, I don't know, uh, if Brandon has anything personally to plug, but if you want to, um, follow me on letterboxd, uh, where I rate movies personally for myself and we'll be writing reviews for them in the new year. Um, my letterboxd, um, username is my friend, Dennis M Y F R I N D D-E-N-N-I-S, my friend Dennis. You can follow me on there and see what I'm thinking about these movies. 
Um, Brandon, do you have anything personally to plug that you want people to follow you? I've got a few things that I'm working on, but uh, I'll save that for another time. Okay, cool. Well, um, I definitely appreciate y'all listening. Uh, Me and Brandon are going to get out of here. Uh, We hope you have a wonderful week, and uh, goodbye, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.